today we're carrying on our culture series, um, and I want to unpack what it means to live in a culture of honor. The reason why we're doing the culture series in Harvest is because we're not just the people who are on a mission to get somewhere. We're not just wanting to fulfill a purpose, but we are, although that's part of what we want to do, what we do want to do is know how we're going to fulfill our purpose. We want to create the why, and we're wanting to create the feel of how we get to where we need to be. And we know that heaven has a culture, doesn't it? The kingdom of God has a particular culture. It supersedes every other culture on the earth. And we want that culture to be made manifest, to be very real and alive here at Harvest. And so we've got a few values that we've put together that help us describe not just where we're going, but how we're going to get there. Culture really is about the feel of what we do, not just what we do. And so we're wanting to be wise in how we communicate that because there are particular values that undergird our culture that we want to make sure is lived out in every aspect of our lives and indeed in the great city of Durban and in this metropole of KwaZulu-Natal. I hope you're up for that because how many of you know that we don't come to church? We are the church, right? We're not, we're not wanting to build big buildings, we're running to build big people. And part of that means that we're living in a space and in a way that reflects what heaven is like. And I want to read a very familiar story to you out of the life of David as he has a particularly interesting interaction with King Saul. So 1 Samuel chapter 24 and verse 1. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gerai. So Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his man and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, and there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Um, I'll just leave that there. I'm not quite sure what to do with that one, but it's in the Bible. Do you ever, do you, I hope you read scripture like I read scripture. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, now David and his men, this is even more hilarious and very awkward. David and his men were sitting in the innermost part of that cave. And the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will give you your enemy into your hand. And you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose Again, very awkward, and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. The old King James will say, touch not the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with his words and did not permit them to attack Saul until rose up and left the cave and went on his way. This is a jolly awkward situation to be in. I want you to flip forward into the New Testament, into the epistles of 1 Peter and chapter 2 and verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood or the church. Fear God and honor the emperor. Now, we want to unpack what it means to live in a culture of honor. What does it mean for us as harvest to live in a culture of honor? Now, 
I think that when we begin to understand honor, we'll begin to understand how we can be a people who subversively change the world around us, how we can be a people who bring something of God's kingdom wherever we go. Honor is not just a buzzword in the church at the moment, and I want to highly encourage you, if you've not read The Culture of Honor by Danny Silk, I want to encourage you to get the book, download it, buy the book, read the book. It's really helpful to unpack what it means to live in a culture of honor, and if I had another 10 sessions, we would not have enough time to unpack what honor really means. But when you begin to understand that heaven has a culture in which everything thrives, in which there is life, you begin to pick up something of honor that's in heaven. Indeed, honor is the culture in which heaven thrives. And so whenever you read through the scriptures, particularly where there's a picture or a glimpse into heavenly reality or what is actually more real than this, you'll see phrases like glory and honor being thrown around all the time. You'll hear phrases like glory and honor belong to the Lord. And indeed, glory and honor begin with him. Our understanding of honor must be solidly rooted in the reality of his goodness and who he is. And I want us just to unpack what it means now for us to live in honor because honor is so vitally important that we see that how God operates in Trinity is based on the principle of honor. You know, God is not threatened by Jesus. And Jesus is not threatened by the Holy Spirit. In fact, they prefer one another and make room for one another as the moment and grace is needed for one another. It's a beautiful picture. In fact, theologians call this word perichorosis. It speaks of a dance around one another that make room for each other. It's a beautiful picture of how honor works. Now, the word glory and honor often are used interchangeably, but they mean two different things. Glory is the revelation of someone's worth or, or, or God's goodness or God's worth, but honor is the esteeming of that worth. So for example, if I could use this example, when we came into this building, I mean, it's a pretty good building, but it's not holy, right? There's nothing holy about this building. My aim on most Sundays is to get the church out of the building, not into the building. Amen, Julian. <laughs> We come and we worship God. There's a sense of the presence of God. Now, how many of you have ever been in a room with your back to the door, you're doing something, somebody walks in quietly, but you can sense their presence, can't you? Well, when we worship and we suddenly start to sense the presence of God, it's like God saying, here I am, I've just showed up. It, it, it announces that he's here. Now, announcing that someone is here does not do anything for us to get a revelation of who that person is. And so God doesn't just come in his presence. He then begins to reveal his glory. His glory is the revelation of his intrinsic goodness. And so the first picture of glory that we see, particularly in the Old Testament, is of Moses. And he says God's glory passed by him. And the phrase that Moses uses is the goodness of God passed by me in connection with his glory. The glory of God is the goodness of God on display. It's who he is. And we have a response then after encountering his glory to do something with that. And honor is that response. We then esteem his glory. We value his glory. We honor his glory. 
You see, it is possible to be in the presence of God and see his glory and still not honor his glory. Glory reveals, honor esteems. And what's beautiful about this picture, actually, is that the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've all fallen short of a revelation of God's goodness. But now that we are saved, we've been restored to that revelation of his goodness. And God is so incredible in his understanding of honor and how this works that he puts his glory in you. He puts his goodness and worth in you. You should say hallelujah flipping Luyah at that point because that is outrageous. God puts his glory in us. The only reason why we give him glory is not because we've got anything in and of ourselves to give him. It's because he's put his glory in us because we are image bearers of his glory. I find that completely scandalous. It should be shouted from the rooftops. That God puts his glory in mankind. And although we are broken image bearers of his glory, we are still image bearers nonetheless. And the beauty of salvation is we are now restored to that glory. We get to demonstrate that glory wherever we go. Honor then means not only that we are honoring God, and I'm going to unpack this in a moment, but we learn to value one another because of our intrinsic worth before God. How many of you know that Hitler had intrinsic worth before God? How many of you know that the ISIS regime has intrinsic worth before God? It's got mighty quiet, certainly, but anyway. Because he created them in his image. (laughs) I'll move on quickly. (laughs) You see, honor is the process by which we esteem what God has put in each other irrespective of the things that we are not. Honor celebrates who you are, not just who you're not. We'll talk about truth-telling in a moment and we'll help unpack it. But when we begin to understand that in heaven you are honored for who you are, (laughs) that when we manifest that culture on the earth, everything changes. If I can learn to honor you, if we as Harvest can learn to honor one another for who we are, not who we're not, it's going to dramatically change this community. Jesus does this all the time. I don't know if you notice, but Jesus, and I pray I get this reputation, like to hang out with sinners. (laughs) You know, I I pray that the gossip scandal that hits Durban is that Julian likes hanging out with sinners. Jesus became of no reputation in order to give honor to the lowest of the low, the broken of the broken. You see the way he deals with women. Women were regarded as absolutely nothing. In every single encounter with women, Jesus restored honor to them. And then there's those filthy tax collectors who like to take our money. (laughs) You know the ones that are corrupt? You know the ones who take bribes behind the scene? Jesus used to hang out with them and have meals with them. 
Can I please get an amen yet? Because that sounds a lot like our country sometimes. And he restores honor to them. The woman caught in adultery, she, she is in an absolute heap, and he honors her. Man alive, wouldn't it be great if we learned to honor the worst sinners of all sinners? Because that's how heaven operates. Heaven operates in honor because honor is the ability to esteem one highly and see worth in someone despite who they are not. David does this with Saul in three ways. Firstly, he's in this cave and he sees Saul and his natural response is not to kill Saul, but to honor God. Until we see God rightly, until we honor him rightly, we will not be able to honor one another rightly. You see, David is more concerned about what God has said about this person than he is about what he thinks about Saul in that moment. One of the key starting points for us in order to live in the place of honor, because you need some honor when you're standing in the queue at home affairs, trust me. It's to see through the lens of who God is. I honor him first, therefore I honor everyone else around me. I honor him with my time. I honor him with my worship. I honor him with my finances. I honor him with the way I build relationally to one another. I honor him when I love the poor and the broken, not just in Uzbekistan, not just in Tanzania, but on the streets of Durban. When I know how to honor him, Everyone else becomes a reflector, an image bearer of his glory. You see, the reason why we have to love one another is not because we have to like one another, but because something of God is in you. Therefore, not only do I have a responsibility to love you, I actually have a responsibility to like you. That went over like a lead balloon. (laughs) David puts God first in his understanding of honor, and it puts the moment that he could kill Saul into perspective. Listen, Saul was out to destroy David, but he chose to see Saul through the lens of who God is. And God said of this man Saul, he is anointed. Brothers and sisters, who are we to have a different opinion about the worst sinners of sinners than God does? Honor means that because we love him and we see him rightly, we see everyone else rightly. Now, I'm not saying this at the expense of truth-telling because Saul had some issues, let's be honest. This was an insecure leader who used his position as a place of control and authority over people. But here's the incredible thing, is that when we learn to honor people for who they are and the grace that God has put in them rather than who they're not, we join and in agreement with heaven's perspective about them which releases life into us. Now, there's some cultures that have used this particular verse, touch not the Lord's anointed, as a platform to solidify position 
as a platform to solidify, solidify power for personal benefit rather than for others' benefit. And at Harvest, we don't elevate one position over another because it's not about your position at Harvest, it's about your value. So George, who is the lead pastor, George and Leanne, who are like the mum and dad of this house, we don't put them on a pedestal that goes, we're not worthy, here's double tithes, although they'd like that. Um, <laughs> we're, we're not putting them on a pedestal because of their position as pastors. We honor them because of the grace of God that is in them. Amen. We recognize what's on them. You see, pastor, apostle, prophet, whatever title, was never ever des designated to be a title in the Bible. It was designated to be a function. <laughs> and that function means that I might be leading in some way or another, but that does not mean I have more authority and power over you because the only person that has authority over you is Jesus. And so we're not doing hierarchy in this church, but we are giving honor. We recognize grace and we say, that grace that's on your life, I need in my life, and therefore I honor you in a real way. George, does, George and Leanne don't have a special parking. They don't have a little plaque that says, Hi, Right Reverend Apostle and Prophet George and Leanne Goulet. No, no, we don't do that. You don't have to get your prayer needs met by some special group of elite Christians up front because you have glory in you. The answer to your prayer, the answer to your need He's not coming to get a special Holy Ghost touch. I don't know why I did the sign of the cross, but it sounded re looked religious. <laughs> because Holy Spirit is in you. See, do we want to devalue the gift that George and Leanne are to us? No, we don't. But we don't need to do anything more to get God's blessing because he's already given it to us. And when you honor people in an incorrect way, it's called flattery or idolatry. You see, if I'm trying to use the principle of honor to get something for myself, that's manipulation. It's trying to manipulate God. Listen, the point of honor at harvest is that we all get to do the stuff. <laughs> we all get to prophesy. Trust me. You do not need another prophetic word. You just need to do what you heard yesterday. You'll be fine. You don't need to get a special prayer cloth from someone. You don't need to get holy anointed oil from Israel to get your breakthrough because your breakthrough already dwells in you and his name is Jesus. You see, the thing is, Saul had the crown, but David had God's heart. You see, honor works by recognizing who he is, and then I can rightly recognize who, who we are. And in that process of honoring one another, everything changes. You see, honor doesn't ignore weakness. Honor chooses to believe the best in the midst of weakness. I, I get lots of emails from people asking for prophetic words. 
Sometimes I go to some conferences where I get assigned a armor bearer to look after my Bible as if I can't carry it myself. <laughs> and we put ministries on a pedestal in some cultures. In my culture, in color culture, the pastor, when he comes to your house, like literally, you do everything you can to serve that pastor. That's idolatry. I'm not talking about neglecting who we are and who God is. But as, as a church, we all have a part to play. You see, the second thing I love about David is that he understood that honor was not for his benefit, it was for the benefit of everyone else. And so in that moment when he could have killed Saul, he realized that if I honor this man, my rulership, which is coming to me soon, will release honor on everyone who's alongside of me so that the favor that's on my life is the favor that comes onto everyone else's life. You see, it's easy to insult. It's easy to join the chorus of the world. It's easy to gossip. It's easy to point out weakness. It is a different thing to go looking for gold in the midst of rubbish. And here's the incredible thing. I love this. These men say, the prophetic word is coming to pass. God said, you can do as you see fit to your enemies. But David sees through that. And he says, Saul's not my enemy. He's anointed by God. Amen. That challenges me to the core because there are some people that I want to karate chop in the head. But you see, I realized that because honor is on me and in me, because the only way you get to understand someone else's worth is by rightly seeing him and rightly understanding who you are. Because you love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if you don't know that you've got intrinsic worth to God, that even if you did nothing significant for God ever again, you're still, you still have intrinsic worth. You still have honor. You still have a measure of his glory in you. Even if you get nothing, that will still be true of you. See, when I get that, it means how I treat my friends. It means how I treat John well. It means I honor him, not because of what he can't do, but because he's got intrinsic worth and glory and value to the Father. And because the Father values me, it's easy to value him. David could have killed Saul and he would have been rightly justified. But David sees through that and he realizes the honor that God has put on me to be king, if I extend it well right now, it means that all of my subjects come into honor and come under the same favor that's on me. Because here's the deal. If David killed Saul in that moment, those men would have had an example of what to do when David started messing up in his leadership. You see, leadership's not going to be perfect. Your friends are not going to be perfect. But you're going to have to make a choice to honor them in the midst of it. It's not denying what they're doing wrong. It's not denying their weakness. It's just choosing to say in the midst of the weakness. And listen, when you understand honor, you realize that everyone is powerful. And so you can have brave conversations with them. And I want to say this particularly in church because I see a lot of people going around saying, I'm so offended by church. 
I'm offended by that leadership. Do you know what they did to me? Here's the truth, friends. Offense is never given. It's always taken. And when you understand your worth, you realize that you can be unoffendable. <laughs> There's nothing you can do that can offend me because I have a choice to pick up their offense or not. Somebody say amen. amen. So if you're in offense, I want to encourage you, build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> because it doesn't matter where you are, you'll pick up offense because offense is connected to a wrong perception of who you are and who the person is. Do you know that God can never get disillusioned or disappointed with you? Because he never had any illusions about you in the first place. (laughs) Doesn't deny truth-telling, it chooses to honor in the midst of weakness. Third thing that I love about David, is honor makes space for everyone. You see, the reason why we're doing church non-hierarchically, the reason why we're doing this culture series, is because there are so many gifts, so many anointings, so many graces in this church. Indeed, every single person under the sound of my voice, you have a grace from God, you have a gift from God. And we want to create space where we all get to be who we need to be without feeling threatened by who someone else is. (laughs) Because in a culture of honor, when one person wins a victory, we all win a victory. (laughs) It means that that when when, um, Ant does a killer worship moment and glory clouds appear and gold dust appears, We don't go, I wish I was the worship leader on that stage today. (laughs) We celebrate his victory as if it's our victory. Because honor makes room for everyone. No one needs to be threatened. Well, their gift looks a bit bigger than mine. Because at the end, God is not going to evaluate who you are in comparison to anyone else. He's going to evaluate what he's given you for your life and for your season. Honor makes room for everyone. And you see this with David. David's not threatened. The Bible says he had famous men join his army. And he's not going, I I better keep them under control. We don't want them getting too much freedom here. (laughs) Because they might try and usurp my freedom. Ah, brothers and sisters. Whether or not you're up front here is irrelevant because your worth does not change according to your position. Your worth is intrinsically a revelation of God's goodness and nothing can change that irrespective of your position. That's such good news. And at Harvest, relationships are never in negotiation. We love each other, irrespective of what we do. There might be some evaluation around what we do, but your intrinsic worth will always be the same because you're an image bearer of God and you've got glory in you, therefore I honor you. What does this mean for harvest? And this is where I want to just unpack it a little bit. Well, firstly, the thing about David and him saying, I will not touch the Lord's anointed, is that that principle in the New Testament means that we are all anointed. 
There's not one specially anointed person. We are all anointed. The Bible says in 1 John that you have an anointing from the Holy One that dwells in you. It means we are all of equal value here at Harvest. We might have different functions according to the grace that God gives us, but we all have equal value and we're going for what is best in our family. As George and Leanne, mom and dad, lead, as it were, this family, we're looking for what's best for our family. And that's how we make decisions. And sometimes it means that Jason at the back might have more prominence than Jono in the front. And we don't get all insecure and go, oh my gosh, because we all realize we're anointed. We're all gifted. Not only that, it means that we celebrate who you are, not who you're not. And by celebration, (laughs) help me on this one, Jesus. I don't mean tolerate. We don't tolerate one another at harvest. We celebrate one another. We go, you're amazing, you're phenomenal, you're outrageous. We love each other. We celebrate when people take risks, even if it fails. <laughs> like I just gave at the beginning. It was a little, you know, lesson in real life. And we don't just go, oh, that's nice. What we want to do away with at Harvest, if you don't mind, is what I call the golf clap. You know golf clap is? Well done. Jolly good show. Great shot. Do it again if you can. I hate golf claps. We're going to celebrate people as if the Sharks actually scored a try. I've got a confession to make. I'm actually a Stormers supporter. But I've just ordered my first Sharks jumper. The Lord is moving. We're going to celebrate people. And you know what? We're going to celebrate them even before they've done anything. So here's the deal. When people get up here to preach, I want to ask you to celebrate that preacher as if they gave the world's best sermon before they've even preached. So when people get up here, faith is built in their heart to give you the best. And I want us to practice that. In a moment, we're going to honor someone. And here's the deal. I don't want you to be all nice and churchy. Okay, heaven is loud. If you do not like the loudness of our music, God bless you when you get to heaven. You will need a glorified body to handle that sound. His voice is like the sound of many rushing waters. I'll just move on quickly. The sound guys will come and pay me something at the end. But here's the deal, friends. We're going to stand to our feet in a moment and we're going to celebrate this person as if they are just absolutely amazing because they are. And it doesn't matter what you think of them, today we're going to celebrate them. And here's how we're going to do it. I'm first going to talk about who they really are. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to fabricate. I'm not going to flatter. I just want to illustrate how we do honor in this church. And so I really want to honor Leanne Goulet. Now hold on, hold, hold your applause, because in a moment we're going to so embarrass her, she's not going to know what to do. <laughs> and here's why I want to honor her. This is how honor works. 
He has served in this church alongside George, looking after three children in order to facilitate what God is doing in George and in this community. She prays for him. She often does things behind the scenes in terms of pastoring and loving people who not many other people see. She came into this meeting this morning saying, there are a few guests who didn't know what the time was, but I connected with them. There are not many people who do that. Not only that, she has had to walk through some really difficult seasons in this church alongside George, and she's had to hold her tongue when I would have just karate chopped everyone and said, you want to criticize me? Let me show you how I can criticize. But she's not done that. She's held herself in poise in order to honor the people in this church, more importantly, to honor George and God. And so I want us to celebrate Leanne, and I want to ask you to right now stand to your feet, whoopee, cheer, and embarrass her with the honor and the goodness of God because of a life that has served well in this church. Would you do that, please? You can do a little bit better than that. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going some more. Keep going some more. Some more, and some more. Now, how many of you feel really depressed right now? How many of you feel really? Do you see your honor, guys? Can you sense the life in this room? So, we honor you, Leanne. We know there's a price that you've paid and no one else has seen, and we say thank you. Take your seat, I'm nearly done, I promise. Do you know the Bible calls us to outdo one another in honor? Can you sense the tangible presence of God here right now? That's because honor has been demonstrated. If you don't know Leanne, she's, the, she's one of the leaders at this church. George and Leanne lead this church. She's one of the pastors here. Um, she's not just a pastor's wife, by the way. She's got her own gifts and her own anointing which she serves in this church with. But here's the deal, friends. When we live in this place of honor, an atmosphere of heaven is released. So to demonstrate that right now, there is someone, I think you're a lady, I think you're on my left side. You walked in with some pain today. I think something to do with your neck, maybe. If you begin to move that right now, you'll see that the pain is either lifted or it's completely it's lifting, or it's completely gone. So if that's you, I think you're on my left side here. You came in with pain. Is that you, sir? Oh. Is this, sorry, this is, this is your left. Yeah, left, this, my left, your right. Um, but I feel it's actually in this side, not that side, sorry. If, if you came in with a bit of pain, I want you to check that out. And if you know the pain is lifting, or it's now completely lifted, just wave your hand at me very quickly. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but God has just healed someone. You might be somewhere else in the building, just quickly wave your hand at me. There we go. There are two ladies in the section who came in with some pain, 
and now it's lifting or it's lifting. Can we celebrate that? Now, notice, I didn't pray for that. Heaven was just released, and so healing happens in the atmosphere of heaven because of honor. Let's outdo one another in honor. Honor looks like generosity. I want us to live in a place of outrageous honor, being generous with one another and outdoing in our generosity. In my previous church, the King's Arms in England, one of the things that we did as a church was treasure hunts in order to bless people in our church with finance. So we'd ask God where we needed to go or who we needed to give it to. And it broke something of a poverty mentality over our church because honor values the worth of someone. When I got engaged to Katya, I looked for the most expensive ring I could find within my budget because I wanted to express value. Honor goes hand in hand with generosity because what you value, you will give to. If you value this community, let's outrageously outgive one another and bless one another. <laughs> Wouldn't it be fun? No one needs to know. You just slip 5,000 rand into someone else's pocket and bless them. <laughs> I mean, can I just say this? And at some stage, we'll talk about generosity. Katya and I have learned. Like, if you give generously, you live abundantly. Amen. It works. Yeah. Let's be super generous, not just with our money, but with our encouragement. Let's encourage one another because honor works in the context of encouragement. Encouragement doesn't mean to lie to one another. It doesn't say something that they're not, but you can find something about someone that you can encourage them irrespective of who they are. Amen. I used to do this in England you know, in England, because it's so gray so often, a lot of the people that work, particularly in checkouts at the local shop, are a bit grumpy. You know, they're just unhappy, which I understand, because they're inside, it's gray, it's miserable, and no one really says thank you very often. Not all English people are like that. Leah's sitting in front, she's a very happy English lady. <laughs> But I've learned that if you can just encourage someone with a thank you or I appreciate what you're doing or here's a chocolate, it's incredible because you see in the UK they don't pack for you, you have to pack for yourself. I know that's quite a shock, isn't it? <laughs> and I learned, this is how honor works sometimes, I'm like, I get there, I go, ma'am, thank you so much for serving me. You are really doing me such a great service today just doing this. I know it's your job but I, I can't imagine that it's always the most fun and you probably get some really unhappy customers and I just want to say thank you. In fact, here's a chocolate just to bless you. Just put it through the till because I, I want you to be blessed today and have a good day. Well, it's incredible what happens. It's like they get some steel in their back and they're like, why, thank you, sir. I'm going to help you pack today. And off they start packing. <laughs> Now, I obviously don't do it just to get them to help pack. <laughs> but it's incredible. You know, honor just begins with simplicity of respecting and saying thank you. Two last points and then we'll be done. Actually, one last point. That verse in one Peter that I read says, honor everyone. You see, it's easy to talk about honor for us as a family at Harvest. But actually, the requirement of honor is for everyone. 
It means everyone. It means the person who's serving you at home affairs that I've just had this experience. <laughs> I don't want to honor home affairs at that point. I want to burn home affairs down at that point. <laughs> but I have a choice to value them for who they are. Honor, the Bible says, honor the emperor. Oh, shika bazooka on this one. <laughs> how many of you have learned how to honor Jacob Zuma? <laughs> David could have killed Saul, but he recognized that God in his sovereignty put Saul as king over Israel at that moment. When you have a cup of coffee and someone brings up good old Jay-Z in the conversation, what's your first response? I was chatting to someone earlier who said he knows Jacob Zuma and he said to me, in those early days he was a powerful revolutionary who wanted freedom for people. Now, I don't know where he's at at the moment. What I do know is that somewhere in all of that there's someone of intrinsic worth before God. And the Bible calls me to honor our emperor. When that was written, it was in a persecuted church context. Peter would later go on to be crucified upside down. We're not persecuted yet. It's gone very quiet in this charismatic church today. How are we honoring him on our Facebook media posts? How are we honoring one another on our Facebook media posts? Because you see, in the kingdom, honor works from the lowest to the highest. Honor works from the lowest to the highest. Jesus honors the lowest in society as if they're the highest in society. I find it fascinating, five more minutes, I promise, that when I go into some people's homes, that I'll stand in the kitchen and they will not introduce me to their domestic helper at all. As if that domestic helper is inconsequential. As if he or she is not a person. Katya and I have made a decision to live in this place of honor, which means for us we have cut back on our own comfort in terms of having a domestic helper seven days a week because we don't just want to pay minimum wage because paying minimum wage is not honoring that domestic helper because no one can live on minimum wage in South Africa. And so we've cut back so that we can pay a better salary to our domestic helper so that she can put her kids through school, so that she can have good food so she doesn't have to miss a meal during the week. It's gone so quiet suddenly. This is where honor works. Because the Bible says, honor everyone. Honor works when a woman who's just had an abortion walks through our doors and we love her as if she never did anything 
that will destroy her, her life or her family. This is what people need to feel when they walk into harvest. It means that when a man or woman with same-sex attraction walks into this house, they feel loved because in this house, you don't have to believe, behave in order to belong. In this house, you belong before you need to behave or believe. In this house, we love sinners. <laughs> because we all were once. See, honor doesn't just work when it's all nice because we like each other. <laughs> you see, honor only works in the context of disagreement. It's most manifested when John and I have a disagreement and I don't like what he says to me. But in that moment, I said, you know what? I don't agree with what you're saying, but I really love you. And I honor you because you've got worth before God. We have to honor everyone in every way, irrespective of who they are and what they've done wrong. I'm not, please hear me, I'm not saying we deny what's going wrong in our country. I'm just saying we choose to believe what heaven says about our country over and above what any administration could accomplish or not accomplish. Brothers and sisters, honor is the way heaven works and it's a high value in this church. Will we honor one another? Will we be a people who out bless one another, out encourage one another, out do each other in honor, the Bible says? And would we honor every single person I want to say that in South Africa, one of the greatest strongholds is around service industry. Can I encourage you to create a subversive message of honor for those who serve you at a restaurant, at home affairs, your petrol attendant, whoever it is. Would you go over the top in honor so that when people hear about these groups of people in Umschlanga, that they go, oh, I'm saying everyone seems to be really nice, and it's because harvesters were out doing one another in honor. Why don't you stand to your feet, please? I don't know about you, but hearing a message like this makes me fall to my knees and say, God, give me some more grace, please. Because <laughs> check me that's for me. I was so challenged because I had a bad attitude this week to a driver who cut us off. And I had to restrain myself. But honor looks like something. And I want to look like someone who honors those around me. Why don't you close your eyes? Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for all that you are. Would you release grace for us to live in a place of honor? Would you release grace for us to live in a place that values people because of their intrinsic worth, not because of what they offer us or what they can do for us, but simply because of who they are in you. We thank you for what you're doing. Here's what I really want you to do. If you are a parent of a child in kids' work, 
Would you outrageously and overwhelmingly bless Tracy and her team when you go up and just give them the hugest thank you and just honor them? If you want to, heck, if you want to give them money, give them some money. Do something to express your honor to them. Would you do that for me? Because we want every department in our, in our church to feel honored and loved for the way that they serve. Not because we have to, but because this is what family does. This is who we are.